there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. The last time we talked about the horse, the carriage, and the driver. We spoke about the, the driver's need to climb up on the carriage. We understand that actually there's a need because you can't drive a horse in a carriage from the level of the ground. You have to get up on top of the box where the reins are, where you can see things, and you have an opportunity to drive at that point. But you can't control anything from ground level. And where we are is at ground level. Now, where at ground level are we? Well, most of us are in the bar, drinking. And that's why we spend our time in this drunken stupor of imagination, because that's where we are. Now, some people wander out of the bar sometimes. Oops, wrong door, <laughs> and they turn right back around and go back in. You've seen that, haven't you? And you've seen people, have you ever seen people wander out of bars? They wander out of bars and they get out there, oh, and they wander right back in. <laughs> <laughs> Had enough of that, yeah. They went to the, they went to the, they were looking for the bathroom, they found the exit door instead. They were so in such a stupor. After long observation of ourselves, we begin to see that we must do something or we're going to be carried along by mechanical life. We either have to do something or we're going to go over the falls. The river that we are floating along on is going to take us over the falls. When we begin to observe ourselves, we begin to see this truth, the truth of our condition. The condition is not, oh, it's horrible. The world shouldn't have falls. The river should just keep on going. It doesn't matter whether it's going over the falls or keep on going. It's the same thing. It's being carried along by mechanical life. You can't do anything because you're still not in control. You're being carried along. You're serving nature's purpose, not a higher purpose. So we decide, I will drive. But we decide that when we're far from the possibility of driving. Okay, well, we hear this work. We go, well, that's, that's right. <laughs> we're in the bar, we're in this drunken stupor, and somebody comes in, they, well, you know, there are sober people around, and they, there's a guy out there who has a horse and a carriage, and, and he gets on it, and he drives people around, he makes money, and he does things, and he does nice service for people, and gets the town moving, and, this is a good idea, that sounds right, yeah, let's do that, I'm going to drive, I'm going to do, do that. And we're far from the possibility of doing it, because you can't do that when you're, drunk with imagination. You can't do that when you're in a stupor. So we're far from the possibility. There are further stages and experiences with ourselves that are necessary. See, we think there are further stages and experiences with life and with other people that are necessary. No, 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 no. There's further stages and experiences with yourself that are necessary. You must learn about yourself. You must learn how to navigate your internal kingdom your internal world. You must learn what neighborhood is what. You've got to learn who's who and what's what before you can hope to drive. Our attention is drawn to certain sides of ourself and we realize our growing need for the work. We realize a growing need for new knowledge about ourself. It doesn't do us any good to have more knowledge about 
that person's typical states of consciousness. It doesn't do us any good to know more about that person's weaknesses and that person's strengths. We need knowledge about ourself. The last thing we ever really begin to work on, knowledge about ourself. We work on knowledge about current events, the world situation, the U.S. economy, this or that or something else. But what we need to be working on is knowledge about ourself. We must climb up in ourself before we can drive. We must reach another level in ourself. That's what this parable means, to climb up in yourself, to climb up on the box means to climb up in yourself, to reach a different level in yourself so that you are no longer controlled by the eyes that control you. It doesn't matter which eyes, we'll talk about those later. If we don't, we're bound to fail continually. And finally, we'll actually give up trying to do anything at all by way of self-change. This is what happens. You have seen this. You see that people begin to struggle with these work ideas. And they come to a strong yes and a strong no. They see that if they continue to struggle with themselves, that they may not get something that they really want in life that life is passing them by, if they get out of the, the, the stream, if they get out of the flow of the river that's going over the falls, they may not get the brass ring that's just over there. If they can just paddle hard enough and direct their little raft over there, maybe they can get that little brass ring that's hanging there. But it's not really brass, of course, it's always gold, the gold ring. And so you ask them, you tell them, look, the falls are right there. Well, but, but that's okay, but I'm, 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 I'm going to get the gold ring and then I'm going to get out. No, you're not. You have to get out now. There is no, I'll get out later. You have to get out now. You have to wake up now. You have to come out of your stupor now. You have to do something now. When you hear that voice in the bar and you're drinking imagination and you're in that state, that is when you need to do something right then. You need to begin right then by seeing your condition, by seeing that the house is on fire. The bar is on fire. Don't go back in to get your drink off the table. Don't go. Don't do that. Get out. See, that's it. We don't see our current condition. And so we don't act. So we've got to climb up to the level of self-remembering. Because if we don't climb up to the level of self-remembering, and the level of self-remembering is, is a level of self-awareness. It's the th third state of consciousness, right? We begin to become aware of ourselves. If we don't become aware of ourselves, we will never have the emotional intensity to try and struggle against the hypnotism of life. You've got to have some awareness of yourself. You've got to be able to see that you're the problem. What we see in our current state of imagination is they are the problem. And we all see this at varying degrees, but we have to see that we are the problem. This is self-knowledge, self-remembering. What does the work say is the most important thing for us to practice? It says, become more conscious, reach the level of self-remembering. That's what is most important for us to practice. We must practice self-remembering, because if you don't practice self-remembering, you'll never stop the expression of negative emotions. How could you? Because you'll be justified in all of your negative emotions. You won't be able to see your negative states because you'll be in them. You'll be so identified with them, it's just the way it is. The little fish, mommy, what's water? When you're in it, and it's all you know, you can't see it. You've got to be able to remember yourself the way the work teaches you to remember yourself. 
You can't just remember that other people are idiots. Oh, now I remember why I wasn't going to do that. Other people are idiots. No, that's not remembering yourself. Some folks, not understanding the work, though they're in contact with it, they see that life goes on any old way. It just goes on. And look at life, it goes on. Look at the, the, the graveyards are full, you know, the crema crematoriums are burning, you know, and the smokestacks are blowing smoke. People are dying, people are being born. It's all going on. There are wars, there are rumors of wars, there are ends of wars, there are economies are clap collapsing, economies growing, borders are being changed. It's all going on. So some people, they see this, they understand that life goes on, but they don't really understand the work, even though they're involved in the work, even though they're in the work, and you can be in the work for years. You can spend decades in the work and not understand the work. They see that life goes on any old way. They see that it's a tragedy, that it's a muddle of injustice. And they become negative and they get stuck, not seeing the work, but instead they only see the chaos of life. Pretty much like the question we had this morning. The kid isn't seeing the work. He's seeing the chaos of life. His attention is drawn to that. He's hypnotized by the chaos of life. He's hypnotized by the activities. He's hypnotized by the terror of the situation. But he's not seeing the work. He's seeing that the work isn't responding to the terror of the situation the way he thinks it should. But you can't trust what you think because you're in a bar drunk on imagination. The work teaches we must see that everything happens in life because we're not properly conscious. Everything happens in life. <clears throat> oh, yes, it does, but that doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with you. Everything happens in life because you're asleep. Well, what about everybody else? Look, there is no everybody else. Everything happens in life because you are asleep. Well, then what about you? You're saying that you're awake? Lighten up, baby. What I'm saying is this work has got to be about you. And if you want to keep making it about me or other people, you're not ever going to understand this work. What do you want? Do you want to understand this work or do you want to be right? Well, can I have both? No. <laughs> No, you can't. You can't have both. You can't have the truth and an opinion. You have to give up one or the other, but you can't hold them both. If you hold the truth, you can have no opinion about it because it's the truth. If you hold an opinion, you can't have the truth because it's an opinion. And the minute it becomes the truth, it's no longer an opinion because an opinion can be owned, but the truth cannot. So the work teaches we must see everything happens in life because we're not properly conscious, because we are not properly conscious. When we sincerely observe ourselves, we get startled. It's startling to really see ourselves. Have you ever really seen yourself? Have you ever seen what a really, well, let me see, how am I going to say this nicely? Have you ever seen what a jerk you are? Every once in a while, we get a glimpse. We get a, just a, a smack in the face or a bucket of ice water in our face. Like, oh, that wasn't me. No, no, no. Oh, I'll never do that again. We see what we're really like. And we're startled. And being startled is a good thing. It's a good thing because it helps to make us a bit more conscious of ourselves. And any little bit of consciousness about ourselves helps. If we do this continually, constantly renewing the meaning of the work ideas. See, these work ideas, they'll become gray and stiff and lifeless. If you just let them sit up on the shelf, they'll gather dust. They'll become meaningless. They will mean nothing to you. You must continually breathe life into them. You must continually breathe force into them. You must continually stir them up. 
as Paul said, stir up the gift of God that is within you. And really, this is the same thing. You, you have to stir this up inside of you. You can't just allow it to just be dragged off by little eyes, like squirrels gathering nuts for the winter, and they go store them up. Oh, we'll keep these for a time when we need them. You need them now. If you don't see that you need them now, you are not observing yourself. You are not seeing your current condition. And if you're not seeing your current condition, that's the first thing that you've got to do. And that's why the work says the most important thing that we need to do is to remember ourselves so that we can become more conscious. Reach the level of self-remembering. The third state of consciousness, self-awareness. The problem is we live too much in small, unpleasant eyes. Dull, stupid, mechanical parts of centers. Silly dreams that contribute to the world's sleep. Well, what is the world's sleep? Remember where you are. You're not just drinking and drunk on imagination. You're in a bar. Well, who else is in that bar? Well, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's in that bar. The whole world's in that bar. The whole world's drinking imagination. So you're contributing to world sleep. You're contributing to the stupor on the whole planet by being in there. As we become more conscious, though it is painful, we begin to reach a level where we begin to have a little bit of control over the lower sides of ourselves, over the little eyes that have controlled us all of our lives. And you have some experience of that. You have some experience of being able to yank control of yourself out of the hands of the little eyes, just for a moment, not for long, just for a little while and not do what you used to do. And you found some hope in that, and that's a wonderful thing. And that's what this work is about. For a man to awaken, he must cease to have illusions and false imagination. What do you mean, I gotta give them up altogether? Well, yes. If you really want to awaken, you have to cease to have illusions and false imaginations. But what about my picture gallery? It's gotta go, right now? Well, as fast as you can get rid of it. As fast as you can tear those pictures out and throw them in the fire. Well, I'm going as fast as I can. Okay. Fine. Then that's as fast as you can. That's fine. Climbing up onto the box is not one smooth movement. Not just like, oh, here we are. We hear the voice in the bar and says something. We go, well, that's right. That's the, that's the truth. That's right. I will drive. We don't just get up and walk out and swing up onto the box and, you know, and grab the reins and yahoo, here we go. It just isn't like that. The horse is starving, the reins are all busted up, the carriage is in bad shape, plus we're drunk. That's not just going to go away because you heard somebody say you're drunk. You know, it's like people who get DUIs driving under the influence, people get DUIs. You know, when the police officer pulls them over and gets them out of the car, they know. They start eating peanut butter, swallowing breath mints, you know, they, all, they start to hide it because they know they're drunk. And they know that those lights behind them means they've been caught. So what do they do? Well, they first they cover the smell of it on their breath. Then they act like they're not. Now, how do you act like you're not drunk? Well, you stand up as straight as you can stand up or you, you answer as clearly as you can answer. Master driver's license registration. Driver's license registration, please. Right here just a minute ago. But they're trying. They're trying with everything they have to get out of the drunken state, but they can't because they're drunk. And that's where we are. So it's not just a matter of 
getting out of the bar, climbing up the box and driving away. This is done through trial and error. They reach for the door handle and miss it. They reach for their driver's license and they miss it. They reach for the glove compartment and they have to search a little bit until they get hold of it. That's how it actually works. Everything is done in order by the law of seven. We make an aim and then we keep failing. Why? Because that's the order of making aims. We make an aim and find out that we can't keep it. That's the law of seven. We get diverted from our aim and we don't keep it. What good is that? Well, it's a lot of good. It shows you you can't do. Oh, well, I knew I couldn't do. Right, but when you make an aim and you can't keep it, then you really know you can't do. And you can't just accept this because someone said it or because you read it or because it's purported to be the truth. You must experience it for yourself. We learn gradually that we can't keep an aim because we keep going to sleep. Why can't you keep your aim? I forgot. Why'd you forget? I went to sleep. Right. I forgot because I went to sleep. It's not that your aim wasn't important to you. It's that you forgot and you went to sleep. It's like you went to sleep and so you forgot. Why? Because we get down with little eyes that know nothing of our aim or the work. That's why. How do you go to sleep? You get down with little eyes that know nothing of your aim and nothing of the work. You follow the little eyes and you go to sleep. Because they always take you to the bedroom. They always take you to little dark places, little mechanical places, and sing you sweet little lullabies. Little songs. You're all your little songs. Just isn't right the way they treat me. He never listens to me. She never pays me a compliment. He doesn't talk to me when I come around. These are the songs that we hear. The little eyes are singing. And till we're singing along. We're in the bar, we're drinking away on imagination. Yahoo! We're singing along. 99 bottles of imagination on the wall. 99 bottles. The next thing you know, we are the little eyes. We're so identified with them. We don't think enough. Thinking and remembering are interlocked. We must defend our aim by continually pumping truth into it. We must muster work ideas and insights, or the aim deviates and becomes a vague memory. Remember some of your early aims in this work? No. <laughs> Somebody's shaking their head no. Somebody else has kind of got this little smile on their face like they're remembering one. Oh, yes. I, as a matter of fact, I remember the aim of waking up every hour on the hour. Remember that one? Remember the egg timer on your belt? The mechanical conscious waking up theory. <laughs> I'm going to use a machine to wake me up because I can't wake myself up. And that's good. You can, you can see that. You can see that you can't wake yourself up and you depend on a machine to wake you up. Then clearly you can see that really you're not even as conscious as a machine. That the egg timer can wake you up better than you can wake you up. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Uh-oh. Well, wait a second. Now that you put it that way, shut up. <laughs> Continually revisit, re-stimulate yourself to these truths and insights. The work fights for you only when you engage with it mentally through an emotional acknowledgement of it. What is an emotional acknowledgement of it? It's not just an acquiescing. It's not a nod of the head. Oh, yes, that's a good work idea. It's a feeling for it. It's when you have a feeling for it. The same way you have a feeling for... Well, the same way you have a feeling for when you're driving along in your car and you just miss getting creamed by a truck or a bus. And you pull over to the side of the road and you shut the car off and you go, <gasps> Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> you're happy. 
You're thrilled that you lived. That's what I mean by an emotional acknowledgement. You've got a feeling for it. You've got a feeling for the work idea that's saving your life. You've got a feeling for the work idea that's rescuing you from these little eyes and the captivity they take you down to and the sleep they take you down to. If the ideas of this work stood around you, transmitting their force to you, you'd be able to do, to really do. The problem is we can't hold the ideas together. We can't, because our minds don't work that way. This is what I was talking about with Diana's question this morning. Due to our limited consciousness and level of mind, we can only hold one thing at a time. It's not possible for us to have the work ideas all surround us and hold them all together. That's just not what we can do. Light increases as the level of being is raised. So as you raise your level of being, there's more light. Look, look at it this way. Let's say you're a mile under the surface of the ocean. How much light is there? Not any. No light gets down there. As you raise your level toward the surface, there is more light available. It is just that way for us. As we raise our level of consciousness, we get more light. As we get more light, we can see more of the ideas together. That was a good example. Ideas of this work must fight for you or the wrong, the bad, the unnecessary things that you find in yourself when you're observing yourself. And let's face it, one of the grim things of observing ourselves is finding all the things that are wrong with us, all the bad things, all the dark things, all the unnecessary things, all the stupid things, all the petty things. Seeing all of those things can be very difficult. It can be very difficult because we realize when we start to try to change them that we don't have the power to change them. We can't do. And this is why the work must fight for us. The ideas of this work must fight for us or the wrong, bad, unnecessary things can't be changed. We go to war. That's the first thing happens in this work. We go to war. The work eyes fight with mechanical eyes. If we continue giving the work eyes force, if we feed them work ideas, they get the force of those work ideas and they become stronger and they can fight the little mechanical eyes where we can't fight them because of the sticky stuff we have all over us the sticky stuff of identification, where every time we grab one of those little eyes, and they're just little ratty things, mm -hmm. but every time we grab one, we, st we stick to it. It's like, oh, we can't get it off us until finally we are it. So the work ideas have to fight for us. They have to do the work for us. We can't do it ourselves because of this identification thing. When you're negative, a work idea comes to your mind. You find then that it's possible to fight the negative state. Or there are other times you find that the work comes to your aid. The negative state simply vanishes. That happens. doesn't happen as often, but it happens. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Isn't it just wonderful? It's like, I was rescued from a negative state. And you feel good about it. And you have an emotional response to it, an emotional acknowledgement of the work idea and the value of the work. Valuation of the work comes from realizing that you can't do it by yourself. Everybody wonders, well, where does valuation of the work come from? It comes from realizing you can't do it yourself. When you start to realize you can't do it for yourself, then you see that there's something that can do it for you, you value it. Well, I know this is rocket science. And it's not that it's that difficult, it's just that we're that asleep. And it's that difficult for us to look into ourselves and see how we actually operate. We make aims when we're negative. When we're negative at an even lower level than our ordinary self. Think about it. Can you give me an example of making an aim when you're negative? I'm never going to talk about 
I'm never going to talk to that person again. That is a perfect example of making an aim when you're negative, when you are actually in a lower state of consciousness than your ordinary stupid state of consciousness. And how often do we do that? Too often. That's how often we do that. Too often. Because once is too often. That's when one is two. Wow, I'm a math genius now. Because that brain age has really been helping me. In negative states, we mechanically think lies. The truth doesn't reach us, just like the light doesn't reach the low levels in the ocean. Truth just doesn't reach us. But what we are reached by is mechanical lies, and they're constant. We must try to think truth by effort. It's not enough to just wallow around with the mechanical eyes in the lies. You have to try to think truth by effort. You have to pull yourself up. Yes, I know that it seems like Matthew doesn't ever talk to you and ignores you and doesn't like you and, and probably hates your guts and he thinks your kids are stupid and, and he thinks you don't make enough money and all that other stuff. And I know all that stuff. Now, you've got to try and make an effort to think the truth. And what would that look like? Well, well, you know, he's right about a lot of that. <laughs> I am kind of uh, stupid and, well, you know, no wonder. I mean, with all my unpleasant manifestations, it's a wonder anybody could like me. If people weren't asleep, they wouldn't like me at all. Well, that's an effort to try and think according to the truth. But then also, you know, just because he's not saying anything doesn't mean he's thinking that. Well, that's what he thought before, but that doesn't mean that's what he's thinking now. But that's what he typically thinks, but that doesn't mean what he's thinking now. And you won't know what he's thinking now unless you ask him, and you still won't know, really. Because if you're in that state, he's going to lie to you. So will he really be lying? It doesn't matter. As long as you're in that state, he'll be lying. So there you are. Pure imagination. In a negative state, the negative part of the emotional center induces a current, like an electric current, of lies that flow right through the intellectual center. It's like closing the switch, and the current starts to flow. You get in a negative state and you are closing the switch, the current starts to flow, and it flows right out of the emotional center, right into the intellectual center. And once it's in the intellectual center, you are done. Unless you fight it. Because it will fill your intellectual center with lies. In lies excited by negative states in the intellectual center, important things are left out and unimportant things are amplified. It's not like this bold thing. Well, you're not sitting here. You're in Timbuktu right now. That's ridiculous. So, the, so that's not the kind of lies that we're told. We're just told lies that amplify one thing a little and make something else unimportant. But he likes you. He doesn't like me. He's never liked me. He's always had a grudge against me because I married you and he wanted to marry you. Well, he's happy with his wife, but he, he's not as happy as he would be if he was with you. And he's always held this grudge. See, and it's like, there's no talking to it because the lies make one thing amplified and another thing that's important unimportant. Pure imagination is mingled with what's real with the aid of pride and vanity and suspicion. The light of consciousness makes impossible, it makes it absolutely impossible for habitual lies to cling so closely, forming a large part of our ordinary feeling of ourself. Our ordinary feeling of ourself, quite frankly, has got a lot of parasites. And those parasites are little mechanical eyes, lying eyes, that cling to us. Think to the cartoons about the devil on one shoulder and the angel on one shoulder, except that we got rid of the angel. <laughs> and the work is the angel. You know, we got to get it back. And we can only get it back by seeing that we need help. 
But if we keep on listening to these little devils, these little negative eyes, these little lying eyes, we're going to be dragged down. And this may be the time that you get dragged down for the last time. So what mounts the box? That's really the question. What is it that gets up? What is it that climbs up on the box? What you know for sure, it can't be the drunken driver. It's got to be something different, right? So the driver has got to be, he's got to get out of that state. There's no way for that driver to drive. You can't drive from the ground level. And the ground level is that state of consciousness. So it's not an outside place, it's an inside place. Ground level is a state of consciousness. It's our ordinary state of consciousness. Well, what if your ordinary state of consciousness is miles above everybody else's? So what if it is? You've got to get above that. Well, that's not fair. <laughs> Too bad. That's the way it works. So it's not the ordinary self that must drive. The driver must be purified by the work. And then comes the test. Can he drive or was all his work imaginary? Remember when we built the house that I live in? And you remember... Matt's son, Buck, was a little boy. He always wore a hat. Always, he, was, he was really into hats. He was obsessed with hats. But he was also obsessed with building because his father was a builder. And he was always building. He was, he'd hammer nails into wood and he'd take nails out of wood and he'd put things together and pile them up. And he was building. But he doesn't live in anything that he worked on then <laughs> because he can't because he was building in his imagination. All of the work that he did all of the work that he did was in imagination, but he didn't know that. And we'd give him work and we'd give him things. And he, when he grew up, he was going to be a, he was going to be a builder like his dad. He, he's not going to do that anymore. He's grown up now and he's not going to do that anymore. He, that's no longer something that he's interested in doing because he's out of imagination now. He's out of that imagination and into some other imagination, quite frankly. His work building the house, because he helped build the house, was really all ma imaginary. Self-satisfaction won't allow us to mount the box. We go down to go up. Remember I said last week, you've got to go down in order to climb up. You've got to realize your own nothingness, knowing that we can't do anything without help. It's that delicate balance of realizing your own nothingness, but not giving up, realizing that you can't do anything without help. That's what your nothingness is. You can't do anything without help. Fine. I'll accept help. Pride and vanity aren't going to like that. Self-satisfaction isn't going to like that. Self-love isn't going to like that. But they can't climb up on the box with us. They have to be left behind drinking in the bar. The key to this work is the practical application of the ideas taught. At SolidRockVista.com, I have written a number of articles about how to apply the work to everyday situations in our life. I hope you'll find it useful.